Matthew chapter 24 as we continue our study on seven. Tonight we're going to talk about protection from deception. We're going to pick up in the third verse of Matthew 24. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. So the disciples desiring to know when the end of the age would be and the sign of the end of the age inquired of the Lord in a private setting and the Lord's first words were be careful of deception. And that tells us a lot without without really going much farther into the text that each and every one of us must be on guard, must be alert, must be sober, must be vigilant in the day and the time in which we live. He goes on and he explains in verse 5 why it's so important, why it's so important to take heed or to be on guard against all forms or all types of deceit because it shows up in a lot of different ways. And he's going to explain some of those ways right now. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So multitudes and multitudes of false messiahs will lead astray multitudes of people. And that's just the beginning of it. And so throughout time and throughout history, we can see that this is a narrative that is played out consistently. Cults and and those that were heading up those organizations or influencing those people have led multitudes and multitudes of people astray and gotten them off course and deceived them. He goes on and he says, for nation will rise against nation, verse 7, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So first of all, he says, mass deception is going to come in the form of false teachers. It's going to lead many people astray. And false teachers really have an agenda of leading people astray. And they take advantage of those that lack knowledge. And so it's so important that we know the truth because that protects us from deception. But he also says that there's going to be great conflict among the nations and there's going to be kingdoms that are going to be at odds against one another. There's going to be these outbreaks of famine, pestilence, earthquakes. And this word earthquake means in all continents and all regions of the world simultaneously. So it's not just an isolated earthquake. There's going to be earth trimming, earth tremors and earthquakes simultaneously taking place globally all around the world. And depending on where you live in the world, it really impacts and affects where you can travel or what you can do. And we know that an earthquake in the ocean can cause a tsunami and it can come upon uh, the shores of a nation and just cause uh, tremendous damage and and do a lot of harm to not only property but to people. And so it's it's not just an isolated incident and these things increase in intensity and they increase in frequency as we get closer to the end of the age. They're not just going to be here and there. They're going to be, it's like compound interest. It's going to show up and it's going to be in, a, in really a devastating way. 
And so the Lord is answering their question. He's, he's giving them insight into these things. And he says, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows there means heaviness or brokenheartedness. This is going to cause such devastation that people are going to break down emotionally. And there's going to be a lot of, of people that are struggling with emotional health because of these things that are going on in the world. And when you think about emotional health and how fragile so many people are right now, and we haven't even begun to enter into some of the the uh, latter stages of this, and just people that you know break down emotionally because of news that they're hearing or reports that they're receiving uh, through various news uh, organizations and how many of them are, are frightened and, and scared, not only about their safety and their well-being, but about the future of their children, their grandchildren. Some of them are, are still, uh, you know, not living life and not intermingling in society, and they're, they're still very restricted in the way that they go about doing things. And those are signs of emotional distress and sorrow. They're and so we could say it even this way. People are going to be oppressed and depressed because of everything that's going on. It's going to seem like it's hopeless. We just one wave after another after another of these natural catastrophes. And Scripture describes this season as earth pains, Just and it likens it to a woman who's in labor. And uh, you ladies know just prior to delivering that the uh, intensity of the contractions increase not only in in how tight they are, but how close they are together. And that's exactly what is being described here in this portion of Scripture and described in other portions of Scripture. And then he goes on and he says in uh, verse 9, Then they will de- deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Now we get into this whole relational component that relationships are just going to just begin to fail left and right. People who at one time walk together, fellowship together, are going to be offended at one another. People are going to hate one another. People are going to despise one another. It even goes into the household. It goes into generations. And and Jesus brings this out in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter one, uh, 21, which is Luke's account of this same teaching, and it's going to be in some households that, you know, uh, the, the children are actually going to put their parents to death. They're going to think their parents, who are people of faith, have really gone off the edge, have become fanatics and religious freaks, and they feel that it would be better to, you know, bring in the authorities, which have the, in these in, in times, that Jesus is referring to here, will, which will have the capacity, you know, to end someone's life because of their faith. And so martyrdom and losing their life, all of those relational components are really going to be uh, fragmented. And then it says in verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. They're going to do that with false signs and wonders. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Isn't it interesting that when there's no rules and there's no boundaries and where there's no standards, that people become indifferent and hard-hearted. And they feel like, what, what, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. And when we have it, it doesn't matter attitude, it's not healthy for our heart. Because at that point, we 
begin to see our own conscious and we start to permit things into our own life that we never would if we maintained a tender and a pliable heart. But because of the atrocities and the lawlessness and just the recklessness in which people are living, people are just going to become indifferent towards it. And that's unfortunate, but this is the picture that Jesus paints and one that we must pay attention to. And then verse 13, it says, but he who endures till the end will be saved or shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I want to say this and then we're going to move on that the greater the trouble, the greater the testimony. So in these troubling times that are described here, for those that are going to persevere and serve the Lord, there's going to be great power, great grace, and and great testimonies that come out of this. Because where sin abounds, grace is going to superabound. But we can't get caught up in the deception. We can't get caught up in the signs and wonders. And you'll you'll understand the significance of not getting caught up in that here in a moment. We are not... We are not to be a people that are just listing the signs and then waiting for the coming of the Son of Man. We are people that are be living our lives for the glory of God in the midst of all of these signs, looking and longing and praying for the coming of the Lord. But at no time are we allowed to take our hand off the plow. We're called to put our hand on the plow and to stay faithful to the Lord even in the midst of this. And all of these things. Because he who believes to the end will be saved. So we have to hold on to our beliefs. So I want to give you, before we go any farther, just some real practical nuggets. Since we're using the number seven, I'm going to list seven seven practices that I believe that will protect us from deception. And then we're going to talk about three important things that Jesus wanted us to know uh, before he returns. So number one is we need to have our priorities in their proper place. First things have to be first. And so that means the Lord has preeminence. He is preeminent. He needs to have that preeminence in, in our life. That's a choice. So I want to say that as we get into more and more of these days and as more of them come on the horizon and actually come into the world that we live in, that we are not going to stop these things from coming into the world, but we can live out our faith by keeping our priorities in their proper place. So this means that there's going to be tremendous pressure on people to give up their Christian morals, their values, their ethics, their beliefs, in order to comply to this world or this world system, in order to be accepted. And that is a, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure that people are going to be under. Because I don't know anyone that doesn't like to be liked. And so when you're in a work environment or your kids are in a school system or they're in a certain program and there's this pressure that you have to do this or you're not going to be accepted or your kids aren't going to get ahead or you're not going to get a promotion at work, you and I cannot give up our Christian faith. I would rather you lose your job and let God direct you somewhere else where he can provide for you rather than you lose your witness. Okay? And so um, 
Number two, we have to continue to walk in love. We have to let love rule and reign in our heart because that's the foundation of our faith. Number three, we have to be ready in season and out of season. The day and the hour in which these things are coming are likened unto Noah and unto Lot. You know, one day was just like the other until the rain came and until judgment came. And so uh, it's very important that we maintain a ready posture and give an answer for the hope that we have. Really actually living in a way that's so contrary to the culture that we shine as a light, as a bright light. All right, we need to keep gathering together. This is number four, gather together as believers as often as possible, as often as possible. So you should give yourself a hand because you're here tonight as often as possible. Yes, in this cold January evening. All right, number five, we need to share the gospel without shame. There's no reason for us to be ashamed of the gospel. The sin is and the lifestyle of sin is going to amplify and be and be magnified through the media, through programming, through television. And, and we already see that to a, a, a large extent right now. And listen, there's always going to be people that say, you know, we can control that. We can stop that. We shouldn't permit that. And I want to say that I believe that there is a responsibility we have to not endorse it, to not watch it. Right. To not be inquisitive, to, you know, sneak a peek and see what's going on. But the world's going to be the world's going to be the world's going to be the world. And so there's going to be programming that is going to be just completely offensive to the Christian. And we can't get angry and we can't get bitter and we can't let our heart turn against those people because those people are simply living out of the darkness that resides within their heart. And that's why we have to bring the light to them. All right. So number six, we have to remember the Lord's table. The Lord gave us his table for a reason. And partaking of communion keeps us protected from deception. And then the last, I think, is a real practical one also, and that is that Every day we have to remember just as we put on our outer attire, we have to put on our inner attire, we have to put on Christ. We have to be clothed in Christ daily. And so that's from the top of your head all the way to your feet. And some people might say, you want to put on the armor of God? I think that's an applicable metaphor. I think you want to put on Christ. And so... The book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians talks about that being clothed with humility, put on Christ. And that's something that will protect us from deception, protect us from deception. So let's continue now in Matthew chapter 24. And I want to skip down uh, and remind you that Jesus, uh, we're going to skip down to the 32nd verse, but I want to remind you in the 14th verse, Jesus said in this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, his kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So Jesus answered their question, didn't he? Because he asked, when will the end come? And his first And most important concern was their protection from deception. Secondly, he answered the question by saying, this gospel of the kingdom is going to go around the world and then it's over. 
So if there's one thing the enemy doesn't want us to do, he doesn't want us to have a world vision. He doesn't want us to have the world and other people groups in mind. He just wants us to think about ourselves, us four and no more, as one man used to say. But that's not really a vision, is it? That's more of a maintenance plan. When you just think about someone trying to preserve and protect themselves and their family and nobody else, then that's not a vision. That's almost living, you know, with fear and and apprehension about what's coming upon the earth. So in verse 32, he says, Jesus, same teaching, he says, learn this parable from the fig tree and from all trees, Luke says. He says, when its branch has already become tender and it puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, all these signs, know that it is near at the door. Assuredly or truly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. This generation or this dispensation of time will not be complete until all these things have taken place. So all these signs are on the earth, and they're going to be on the earth at the same time. And then verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Let's continue here in a moment. But let me remind you that just as the season of summer is identifiable, so will the season of Jesus return. It's going to be a season where we see these signs And then he says, he gets more specific in verse 36, but of that day and that hour, no one knows about the returning of the Lord and his coming glory. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the son of man be. So that's verse 37. And then he talks about those days before the flood came. And then he goes on in verse 40, and he says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this. What do you want me to know, Lord? That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready or be prepared or be aware and never allow yourself to slumber or sleep is what he's saying. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour where you do not anticipate or expect it, just like the people in Noah's generation did not expect the rain. So it will be at the end of this generation, the end of this age, that no one's going to be expecting the Lord to come because it's going to look like every other day has looked for many, many years. And because of this, people are going to let their guard down. And you know, if you let your guard down in your house, and you just keep your doors open and your windows open, and there can be predators or burglars that are out there that can come in and steal your possessions. But if you were aware of the season or the timeline, you would protect And you would keep your house from being burglarized. And so it is with our faith and with our witness in our life in Christ is that we cannot allow the burglar or the devil or the thief to come in 
and steal, kill, and destroy from us because we have become complacent. Where we have just, you know, just every day is the same. It's no big deal. This is just another day like any other day. This could be the day the Lord returns. Now, I believe that we're not at that day yet or that hour, and I don't know what they are anyway. And I think we're to a degree in that season, but I'm going to be agreeing with Jesus that there's some work to be done around the world until the Lord comes. So one of the things that has taken place over the last several years with <clears throat> uh, with the pandemic is that churches churches uh, have gone on maintenance mode and not been proactive in their giving and their outreach. So I want to commend this church for your heart to continue to give, to gather, to serve, to go, and to bless not only the people that are in your family, that your co-workers, your neighborhood, and uh, that are part of your, your life, but people that you won't meet till you get to heaven because of your commitment to love and to serve the Lord. We've been doing more missionally than we have in years. And Sunday we had an opportunity to go to Homestead. They opened up their services again and Dee called me who is their activities coordinator, and she said, would you bring a group the second Sunday of every month and do services? And I said, yes. We're committed to outreach. It's part of what peacemakers do. And we were there, and it's a wonderful time together with those saints. And so uh, we just, and we're going to begin to get back into our county jail. I've talked to our sheriff recently, and he wants uh, people to come and to be able to minister and to share the gospel with those that are incarcerated in our in our county jail. And this is the work that Jesus has called us to do. He's called us into these type of ministries and to reach and to care for people and to continue to do outreach. But one of the things that's happened is that hundreds of churches, hundreds of churches have not been prepared for this season. And because they were so top-heavy with building programs and staffing issues and just what their budgets were just really out of balance and just they're not able to do outreach. They're not able. Some of them aren't even open anymore. The doors of those fellowships are closed. And there's a myriad of other reasons. But really, around the world, thousands and thousands of places where people used to gather pre-pandemic, they're not gathering anymore. And so we have to understand, and I want you to really apply your faith that as you give, God is going to open up the windows of heaven towards you, not so that you can have a big bank account. Yes, he'll take care of you, and yes, we have to be good stewards, but so that we can be a conduit of blessings to others and that we don't go on maintenance mode, but we continue to be proactive with our faith and we continue to have a strong witness in the world in which we live. Because if not, then we're part of those that are being deceived. That's how subtle it can be. And it can enter into our mind in the simplest of thoughts. Well, you know, I'm really not capable. I'm not able. I'm not, you know, that, that I can't be a witness. And I want to say it just the opposite is true. Whenever you hear that, Believe the opposite of it because that's just the enemy lying to you. 
You know, and uh, you just have to know that you are a witness and that your testimony of Jesus is powerful and your relationship with him is valid. And don't let the devil tell you it's not. And you don't have to be a great orator and you don't have to know every story in the Bible and all the answers to people's problems. But, you know, people people recognize sincerity and love. And if you're doing that, you're doing something great for Jesus. So I want to encourage you along those lines. All right. So I better get to the big finish. Someone give me a drum roll. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. That reminds me of Children's Church. I love it. That was so fun. Things we did. Some of them. The Lord will hold me accountable for, I'm sure. But uh, all right. Let me let me finish by going into chapter 25. Uh, At the end of chapter 24, Jesus just tells that there's going to be faithful servants and evil servants. And then he gives three parables. Wow, does Jesus do something here that's incredible. So he wants us to understand that faithfulness protects us from deception. And and then he goes into these three stories to really expound on the significance of living your life well. The first is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Listen to the first few verses. Verse 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. When he said, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened, he's talking about in the days of which he was referring to where there's going to be signs and wonders in the earth. So. Now, five of them were were wise. Verse two and five were foolish. Those who were foolish uh, took their lamps and took no oil with them. But those who uh, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So. Uh, Of course, uh, they weren't going to give up their oil and share it with those that weren't prepared. And so they told them to go to the market and get it. And in that time, the bridegroom came and then that was the end. That was the end. So in this first parable that Jesus used to really describe how we should live in the times that he was describing, I would say, Number one is that he is returning. Be wise. I don't know the day or the hour. I don't. I can see the signs of the time. I can see the season. So keep your lamp full of oil. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' first instruction in regards to this was, All right, this is how you're going to live in the kingdom. And this is how you're going to overcome. And this is how you're going to have a witness. And this is how you're going to be saved even to the end is remember, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. It's going to be like a thief in the night. I'm coming back. And so be wise. Number two, he shares another story. The parable of the talents. 
And in verse 14, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own uh, servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, to each one according to his ability, and immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, who had received, he who had received two gained two more also. He, had, he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Settled accounts with them. So the first is, remember, the Lord is returning. Upon his return, there will be an account. There will be an account. So it was according to one's ability that God distributed the talents. The talents are not just natural talents. It's used here monetarily. Some people were given more wealth, but everyone was given a means where they could increase. Someone had the ability to grow. I find it to be interesting that uh, the Lord distributed it very well to the one who he gave five. That one gained five more. To the one he gave two, that one gained two more. To the one he gave one, that one tried to protect it, went in maintenance mode, dug a hole, put his money in the ground. And I find it to be interesting that money has no morals. It just takes on the morals and beliefs of whoever hands it in. So some people say, look at what the Lord's given me. I better do something with it and increase it and be more of a blessing. And those are the people that will have more. For the one that said, I better hold on to what I have because you never know a rainy day's coming and I better dig a big hole and put it in there and I better put it in a coffee pot and put it out behind, you know, the garage and dig a big hole because you never know when I'm going to need that money. That money is going to find its way into the hands of those that put it into distribution. Givers always are going to excel. So the first, the first bit of instruction Jesus gave us when it comes to deception is don't be deceived, I'm coming back. Secondly, don't be deceived, there's a day of accountability. And then the third story is also very important. So people that don't think giving and being a steward of their money is important are greatly mistaken. Uh, Jesus used money as an illustration because he knew everyone could identify with it more than any other illustration in Scripture. And the second most important topic that Jesus talked about while he was uh, on the earth was heaven and hell. He talked more about hell than he did heaven. So that tells you that the modern day theologians and the modern day uh, false teachers that say there is no judgment, there's no accountability, the Lord's not coming back, there is no hell, hell is here on the earth. Be not deceived. Protect yourself from deception. Because they're going to take many with them. They're going to take a wide swath because it appeals to the carnal nature of man. Appeals to the intellect, but it has nothing to do with eternal truth or standards or holiness or righteousness or judgment or truth. And it's it's in the culture, isn't it, folks? It's in the air. Right? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. All right, the third story is found in verse 31. 
says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne in his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. And I was hungry, right? And I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry. You fed me naked. I was in jail. You visited me and the, and the righteous will answer. And then he gives the reason, you know, hey, you've done it unto the least of these. You've done it unto me. Let me remind us that in this particular story, Jesus is saying there is a judgment and a reward. And a just judgment and a just reward. So how do we protect ourselves from deception? You know, I gave you some practical thoughts, but here are really three solid things that we need to get in our thinking, and it really needs to be there. It needs to be prevalent all the days of our life. Number one, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He promised to come back. He's going to come back. I don't know how. I don't know when, but he's coming back. So I want to be ready. All right, number two is I want to be a good steward of everything the Lord's put in my hand. I want to, I want to see it grow. I want to see it increase. I want to see it in circulation. Because when things are in circulation, it's good. You got to keep things in circulation. And number three is there is a judgment and it will be a just and a right judgment. The righteous were surprised, were surprised. They said, when, when? I find that to be encouraging that a servant's just going about doing his, 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 you know, what his duty is, is looking to help people, uh, who can't return the favor. You know, uh, poor people can't return the favor. People incarcerated can't report, return the favor. Sick people can't return the favor many times. But those are the ones that we can minister to in the name of the Lord. We can see tremendous Tremendous fruit come from those ministries. And then the others are going to be oblivious as to what are you talking about, Lord? Those that, you know, didn't do anything. When, when, and he said, when you didn't do it to the least of these. So they had ample opportunity and, and they just walked away. They did, they didn't, they did not consider it their privilege to serve those who were hurting or who were incarcerated or who were naked or poor. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.